Movie Journey Podcast, where not only do we react and review films from the top 250, but you know, that's what we're doing today. So that's that's what we're going with today. We do it, we do it, we do it uh, every fortnight or so. This week at the top 250, we're back for Fight Club. I'm here, of course, with Dean. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? I'm doing well. We're going to watch a uh, another Fincher film here. We've done a, uh, a full, or nearly a full Fincher series over on our Patreon, where the only two films we haven't done now are indeed Fight Club and Gone Girl. And we had a YouTube tournament a little while ago where we had 32 of the more popular films from the top 250 battle it out in a March Madness style bracket. And the final came down to Forrest Gump versus Fight Club. And of course, Fight Club won. That's why we're doing it today. So pretty pumped for this one. Yeah. I mean, Fight Club, it's Fight Club. It's iconic. I've uh, been wanting to do this for a very long time. And uh, now feels like a good time, Endo. Definitely. Now, this is just uh, the review of the movie. We do watch the movie over on our Patreon for the full length reaction. You want to check that out, patreon.com slash the movie journey. Or if you want to check out the edited down version that we have over on our YouTube channel, that is, of course, youtube.com slash the movie journey. But uh, we are going to go watch that movie and then we'll come back with a review of Fight Club. All right, Dean, we just finished watching Fight Club. Yes, we did, Hendo. Yes, we did. Why don't we get into the trivia for this movie, shall we? Do it. Here we go. Fight Club released in 1999, directed by David Fincher, starring Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, Helena Bonham Carter. You want to throw in a Jared Leto and Meatloaf while we're at it? Jared Leto and Meatloaf. I mean, they're definitely the distant four and five, aren't they? Definitely. Cinematography by Jeff Cronenweth who has had two Academy Award nominations. We've spoken about him before during our David Fincher series because he was nominated for The Social Network and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, I believe this was his first film. That could be right. I didn't go too far into his uh, filmography. Well, maybe you should. Maybe you should do more work next time, Hendo. How dare you? (laughs) Music by the Dust Brothers. Yeah, interestingly, uh, David Fincher actually wanted Radiohead to do the music for this film, but uh, it didn't pan out. And can I just say, thank God, Radiohead did not do the the music for this film. Why? Would it be a knock on the movie or a knock on the band? No, I mean, Radiohead's my favourite band, but this is, I don't know, I don't put Radiohead and the gritty fight club together. Okay, The music in this is really, really good, but I'm not sure Radiohead had this style in them, especially not late 90s. Well, the Dust Brothers uh, didn't go and do any other movies after this. This was their their, uh, rise in the movie world. (laughs) Their rise and then they died. Immediate fall. All right. Why don't you hit us up with your Dean trivia? Oh, right. Do you want to start off here, Hendo? I mean, sure. Why not? Uh, author go for it, Chuck. I don't, know, I don't know how to say his last name. <laughs> we'll go uh, Chuck Palinwick. Palinwick. Yeah, oh, I can go. Sure. Palinook. That'll be easier for me to say. Nook? I don't think IU is an ook. He has stated that he found the film to be an improvement on his novel. That's a, a bold Which claim. I can only imagine how rare. That would be for an author to say. Yeah, to admit that their uh, work isn't the best thing ever. Yeah. Now, uh, in the short scene when Brad Pitt and Edward Norton are drunk and hitting golf balls, they really are drunk, and the golf balls are sailing directly into the side of the catering truck, Endo. Wow, that seems irresponsible. Is that method acting if you really get drunk to be drunk in a scene? I feel like they didn't need to be drunk for this scene. No. Because it was so short. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't even scripted. Maybe they were just, like, hanging out one night and then, boom. They were like, oi, yeah. pinch dog, let's, let's film this. this. Yeah. All right. When the narrator hits Tyler Durden in the ear, Edward Norton actually did hit Brad Pitt in the ear. He was originally going to fake hit him, but before the scenes, Fincher pulled Norton aside and told him to actually hit him in the ear. When Norton hit him in the scene, you can see him smiling and laughing while Pitt is in pain. I didn't. I wasn't watching uh, Norton when that scene was playing. 
Yeah, I did. And he does have a little smirk going. Well, you did find this trivia, so I'm sure you're like, yeah, I can check this out while we watch it. Yeah, it was it was interesting, like, doing this trivia and then immediately watching the film. It's good. Uh, the original Pillow Talk scene had Marla saying, I want to have your abortion. When this was objected to by Fox Pictures, president of production Laura Ziskin, Fincher said he would change it on the condition that the new line couldn't be cut. So, he said, all right, if you want that out, I'll do it, but you have to accept what I put in. And his replacement line ended up being, obviously, I haven't been fucked like that since grade school. Now, when Ziskin saw the new line, she was even more outraged <laughs> and asked for the original line to be put back. But as per their deal, Fincher refused. Imagine if his new line was, I want to have your second abortion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brad Pitt and Helena Bonham Carter spent three days recording orgasmic sounds for their unseen sex scene. That would have been a riot. You imagine that as a, you know, your job, going to work. What'd you do today? Just faked sex sounds all day. They're hilarious. Some of those some of those sounds that Brad Pitt is making are just so over the top. It's hilarious. Yeah, uh, and one of them when Tyler catches the narrator listening at the door as he's having sex with Marla, he's wearing a rubber glove. This was Brad Pitt's idea and caused a great deal of controversy with Ziskin again. She sounds like a delightful lady. She was horrified when she saw the scene and demanded that it be removed. However, at a subsequent test screening, the appearance of the glove got the biggest laugh of the whole movie, prompting Ziskin to change her mind. What do you think about that, Hendo? I wouldn't say biggest laugh of the movie, but it was definitely definitely quite a laugh. Like, why is he wearing a glove for? It's not, not that funny. It's definitely funny in moments. Maybe it was, maybe it was quite funny in 1999. Maybe. Edward Norton lost 17 to 20 pounds for this role after having to beef up tremendously for his role as a neo-Nazi skinhead in American History X, as Dean points to his poster. Uh, You cannot wait to uh, get to that uh, in a little while. (laughs) Yeah, it won't be long. Uh, Yeah, no. Uh, Yeah, so what's that, like 10 kilos? And that's all all muscle. I'm surprised it's not more, to be honest. He's huge in American History X, and he's he's so scrawny in this. Mm. Uh, nah, good on him. Because, yeah, back-to-back, 98 and 99. Uh, the visible breath in the cave scene is recycled Leonardo DiCaprio breath from Titanic, what? which was composite into the shot. Isn't that ridiculous? They just, like, borrowed it from uh, all the CG blokes. Hey, can we use this? You're not using it anymore. Yeah. Interesting. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Bob wears a shirt during his fights, despite one of the eight rules being you're not allowed to wear shirts or shoes during fights. I didn't even consider that, honestly. I did say, oh, he's breaking one of his rules there. And you, you didn't get which one I was talking about. I thought it was about. because he was talking about Fight Club. They were fighting. <laughs> well, you didn't say it at that point. I thought you said it beforehand. <laughs> nah, I said it when they were fighting each other. Uh, this was obviously because Meatloaf's fat suit had to be covered during those scenes. Makes sense. Yeah. And to ensure that Meatloaf's breasts and love handles hung correctly, his fat suit was filled with birdseed so that it would spill over his pants and give the impression of sagging flesh. Altogether, the suit plus the seed weighed over 100 pounds. Wow. That's a, that is, that's a lot of pounds. <laughs> that is enormous. Brad Pitt wasn't overly interested in making the film until Fincher arrived at his doorstep during the making of Meet Joe Black, insisting that they go for a beer. It was over that beer that Fincher pitched Fight Club and Brad Pitt agreed to read the screenplay. Okay, get him out for a beer, have a laugh, get him to read your script. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, Fincher obviously wanted Brad Pitt, but producer Ross Grayson Bell initially wanted Russell Crowe to 
play Tyler Durden, but he was overruled by another producer, Art Linson, who felt Brad Pitt was the better choice. Bell had since said that he's glad Linson stepped in, as he can't imagine anyone being as good in the role as Pitt proved to be. Can you imagine Russell Crowe doing anything close to having the levity that Pitt has in this like, film? Yeah, the charisma and the charm and just the silk smoothness of a Tyler Durden and Brad Pitt. No, like, Crowe has never been smooth. He's no. like... He's gruff. gruff, yeah. He's gruff. And it's, yeah, God, that, that would have been completely different. <laughs> uh, let's see here. According to Helena Bonham Carter, she based her performance of Marla Singer on Judy Garland in the later stages of her life. To help her get into the mindset, Fincher would often call her Judy on set. Now, I know very little about Judy Garland. I've seen The Wizard of Oz a number of times, and I watched that Judy film. Yep. There's, I, I, I saw this, I was like, really? Really? Judy Garland was like Marla Singer in the later stages. Apparently. That's insane. I've got no idea. Courtney Love and Winona Ryder were both initially considered for the role of Marla Singer. Uh, what do you think about that? I could see maybe Winona Ryder. Gee, I can see Courtney Love. Wouldn't be much acting. But in the end, it came down to Helena Bonham Carter and Reese Witherspoon. Now, nah. come on. Reese Witherspoon is pretty clean cut. Yeah, I could not see that role to her. She actually turned it down herself because the role was deemed too dark for her. Makes sense. It's Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Much confusion exists amongst fans about the narrator's name. Many believe it is Jack due to his use of the phrase, I am Jack, such and such. But others argue that he only uses the moniker Jack because that was the one he saw in Annotated Reader, which does make sense. Interestingly, in the press packages released for the movie, which came out in the form of an Ikea-esque catalogue that is amazing, <laughs> the character is referred to as Jack, and he is on the back of the DVD, and in the booklet accompanying the DVD, where the chapter list is referred to as Jack's Chapters. Also, the original screenplay by Jim Yules refers to him as Jack. I prefer him to not have a name at all. I mean, he doesn't, but I think when you're writing a synopsis about this film, because I, I remember having the DVD, or maybe uh, Brother Shane had the DVD, but... I remember reading the back and it being Jack, you know, Jack is bored with his life, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Just going on from that, apparently there is a Fight Club 2 book. Oh, I thought you were going to say movie, then I'm like, what? <laughs> wow. No, there's a second, there's a sequel to the book, which I, I don't understand how. I wonder if that was written after the massive success of Fight Club, the movie, mm. and old Chucky was trying to get a bit of a cash grab. But apparently in, the, in that book, he's called Sebastian. Fair Which enough. It's just stupid. No, it's not. Is it fair enough? It's, yeah, okay, it's not fair enough. He's taller. I wonder what that story would be. Yeah, I don't know. Following the film's release, several fight clubs were reported to have started in the US, of course. A gentleman's fight club was started in Menlo Park, California in 2000 and had members mostly from the high tech industry. Yeah, and I think that's that's the danger of this film. That's you uh, know, getting all these life imitating guys. Yeah, to think it's cool and. Start their little fight clubs. Yep. Ah, the movie's line, the first rule of fight club is you do not talk about fight club, was number 27 of the 100 greatest movie lines by Premiere in 2007. Definitely an iconic line right there. Pretty generous, though, of all time. Number 27? Number 27. D definitely top 100, though. Yeah, sure. 27 is pretty high. I mean, this is a great piece of trivia. Thank you for finding this one. Yeah, I thought you'd like it. Marla Singer's phone number, 5550134, is the same as Teddy's number in Memento. That Isn't is that awesome. Great? I love it. Jim Yule's first draft of the screenplay did not feature narration. God. Wow. David Fincher had this swiftly reinstated as he felt much of the humor comes from what the narrator says. Can you imagine how different this film would be without, you know, Jack's complete lack of surprise? Good one. That's all I can think of. I can't, I can't see. <laughs> It, 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 it feels like it wouldn't make any sense. 
Yeah. The producers considered both Matt Damon and Sean Penn for the role of the narrator, but Fincher wanted Edward Norton, having been impressed by Norton's performance in The People vs. Larry Flint. Have you seen that? I have not. I have. Didn't, uh, didn't wow me. All right, what do you think of Matt Damon and Sean Penn? No. I mean, Matt Damon... No way. Matt Damon's too polished and Sean Penn's probably too old. Too old? In the 90s, you reckon? Late 90s. I think so. I don't so. think he'd be I, too old. I think so. I don't think Sean Penn's a, a horrible choice, to be honest. Nah, I do. I, I, I think both those were no good. What year was Mystic River? Was that like 2005? 2003. I Am Sam was 2001. Maybe it was a bit old. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Finally here for the trivia. The film, and I had to put this in. Yep. And I had to put it in as the last one as well. The film finally saw a streaming release in China in, get this, early 2022. It's this year, Hendo. Yes. With a curiously altered ending. (laughs) Rather than the original ending of the bombs going off, the new ending fades to black after the narrator shoots himself. And the plot is concluded with a title card explaining that police thwarted Project Mayhem <laughs> and the narrator was sentenced to a mental institution. <sighs> wow. Okay. What? I mean, why bother? Who, who's sitting there in China like, you know what? We really got to find a way to release this 23-year-old film. Let's change the end. <laughs> well, they don't want people to do what happened when this movie came out with the old life imitating art and they don't want to have their own uh, Project Mayhem, you know, begin an uprising in China. So, that's what, that's what they do. Do they need permission from the producers to do stuff like that? Maybe. They probably pay a lot of money to get the rights to do that. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just... Uh, yeah. Anyway, budget of about $63-65 million and worldwide grossed $101 million. This was not a successful film when it came out. I believe it is. it became much more of a cult classic as the years went on, mostly probably due to the uh, DVDs coming out and people finally are watching it and actually realizing it's quite a great film. Mm. Uh, this did have one Academy Award nomination that year for Best Effects in the Sound Effects Editing category, which it was also nominated with The Phantom Menace. And we've already spoken about this because it, both of those films did lose to The Matrix that year. Hmm. Fair enough. All right, but let's look at some scores here. Rotten Tomatoes critics give this a 79% saying solid acting. Is that low? That's quite low, I, I, would, I think. Yeah. Solid acting, amazing direction, and elaborate production design make Fight Club a wild ride. That does not sound like a 79% <laughs> one there. The Rotten Tomatoes audience give this a 96%. 96. I mean, yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. That's huge. Metacritic, give this a 66. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Righto, Metacritic. Letterboxd, give this a 4.3, which is huge for Letterboxd. But let's take a look at the history of Fight Club in the IMDb Top 2 History. Top 2 History? Top 250. <laughs> You're doing a history as well? Yeah. Okay, this debuted onto the list on the 16th of November in 1999 at number 26. <laughs> and by mid-2004, it had gone down to number 40. Three. Really? A bit of a drop over five years. That being said, over the next eight years is when its popularity, uh, I guess, went up because it had cracked the top 10 by mid-2012, with its highest rank being number nine in late 2013. But by January 2020, it had dropped out of the top 10 for good and now currently sits at number 12 with an 8.8 over 2 million votes. Massive. Number 12. Massive indeed. All right, Dean, we've watched Fight Club. We've spoken about some uh, lovely pieces of trivia. You're welcome. (laughs) Yes, yes. The good, the bad, the excellent. Dean, what's your overall thoughts on this movie? Um, overall thoughts. I mean, I saw this when I was a very influential teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I, I was probably 16 at the time and I immediately loved it. Like, immediately loved it. Yeah. And, you know, all my all my mates were watching it. We were quoting it. I was watching it so much as a teenager. You know, and it's funny because, you know, I watched so many of these movies that, that I that I love and hold dear. I watched them so much when I was younger, over and over and over again. And then I've, I've sort of stopped watching movies like this, especially since we started up what this thing we do. So, it's been years and years since I've seen Fight Club. And it's always funny, like, you know, you're sort of like, oh, God, he's still going to have this enjoyment. Like, obviously, we change as people, our, you know, sensitivities, our emotions, everything. everything. Who I am now is not who I was, obviously, as a 17-year-old, 18-year-old. So, it's definitely interesting for me, like, watching a film like this going, gee, is this still going to still gonna resonate and I'm still going to love it? And, yeah, no, I, I just think this film... It just it targets that 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 masculinity, that toxic, toxic sort of, you know, let's let's create chaos and havoc and you know, let's stick it to the man and stop buying stuff and there's so much more to life and look at how smart and deep we are with all our new ideas. And I just think that what this film sets out to do, it just does to perfection for me. So that's probably my my overall thought on this film. What about you, Hendo? I know that when this film came out, there was a lot of talk that this film was just about, oh, you know, look at the graphic violence and fights. Is it, is it graphically violent? Yeah, to a degree. Like some of those fights that they're doing, uh, they're pretty brutal in the, uh, not in, I wouldn't say in like the horror graphic violence sort of way, but in like the, it's like a realistic kind of way. Like it's very, yeah, it's very, I was, yeah. I, was gonna, I was just about to say that. I yeah. think, I think, you know, where the violence is a bit jarring with this film is because you feel like, hey, that's, that's how it would be. Yeah. You know, that's what someone's going to look like after they get punched nonstop in yeah. the face. And I feel like as time go- has gone on, I've heard that, you know, this movie's more of a look at toxic, toxic masculinity and exactly like what you were talking about then about how people are, you know, cherishing the things that they don't really need to be cherishing. And, you know, all this materialistic stuff is just, it's like, it's pointless, it's worthless. And, you know, you got to look beyond that and, and, you know, open yourself up to what's actually out there. And for watching it today, like, I kind of understand where that's coming from. And, you know, from my preconceived notions of this movie, it was about, oh, how good's the Fight Club? How awesome is Brad Pitt? And, you know, you know, and he's buffed out way and how cool he is and just mm. how gruff and d- down and dirty this film is. And it's and it's great. But mm. watching it today and, and looking at it through that lens and, you know, you're looking at a whole bunch of men who just down the luck and they look and they're looking for a way to open themselves up and they, they you know, come up with all mm. this stuff and, you know, we're not going to go along the plot summary here but it's fascinating to watch all the journeys that they take here and especially the consideration like when they when the the burning the lime on the hand and how they they need to just accept that and embrace it and open up and you know it opens up this uh you know this rise inside of you that you don't have to be chained up by what society deems you to be doing with your life and i feel like that was a very interesting look at this movie that i haven't actually looked at like before yeah definitely um yeah, as I was saying, like, you know, we change. So, you're sort of having watched so many movies now the way we've watched them yeah. and really going deep into them. You sort of watch this with a, with a fresh set of eyes. Mm. And the themes here, they, they're certainly not outdated. People are still, you know, we're, we're consumers. Yep. All of us, we waste our money on shit we don't need. But, uh, you know, we, we do it. That's that's who we are. It's nice to have possession sometimes. Yeah, and, you know, these these lost men who just want to 
feel something, yeah. you know, feel anything that's different from this daily grind that is their life. Yeah, no, nah, it's it's pretty amazing to watch. Well, that was general thoughts, but that really was just leaning straight into the good there because I didn't I don't think I said anything bad about the movie there. But is there any other goods that you really want to talk about? I mean, I think I think we've got to touch on performances performances for sure you mentioned Tyler you mentioned Brad Pitt you know he's just Tyler Durden for me in this film like Brad Pitt is someone who you know he's he's a pretty boy you know he's he's got the the 90s hotness poster boy sort of looks and for him to do a role like this you know I mean Jesus we, we said his last role before this was meet Joe Black for God's sake so this is such a an out there role like this is just something he can really sink his teeth into and i just think he is he, phenomenal in this film but edward norton one of my favorites yeah. he's he's fantastic like if he didn't sell his role at all we wouldn't we wouldn't we would this movie would not be the same and i think you know you think about edward norton in primal fear when he's got this split personality spoilers um, <laughs> and he can just change change on a dime between you know this really nice guy and then someone who's completely different you see it here when you know especially when all right listen i am tyler Durden. he's like ah, oh, you said you'd say that too yeah. you know like seeing him change like that I just i just think he's so good at just flicking that switch and being someone completely different yeah it's just i, I think he's so good in this even seeing him at all the support groups at the start and stuff and it's just uh, i just love edward norton so much and this film is just oh it's so good very good. I'll touch on, I think, the direction by David Fincher, I think, is oh, for sure. is just outstanding in this film. From where he came from with uh, getting basically handcuffed with Alien 3 all the way up to now where he just, this movie is just Fincher. Like, it just drips Fincher, this movie, this mm. grimy, seedy world. It, mm. I think he has put on a fantastic directional performance here. Like, you, you talk about the performances, they're all, they're all great across the board, but I think this movie just screams fincher when you watch it yeah yeah screams fincher it screams as you say dark and grimy but also screams so much style and class and substance like there's so many directing choices that he makes that are just like they just bring this film to another level and they make it you know this could have been like a pretty dull movie to look at you know you're talking about shirtless men punching each other and doing all this stuff but he makes it he makes it so engaging to look at like that's like you know watching the camera come out of the trash the opening credits where it's coming going through a brain and then down through his skin and then yeah. down the gum barrel that stuff's phenomenal you know the the ikea scene where he's ed norton's walking through his his condo and it's like it's like a catalog for ikea it's just the way he does this stuff and this is you know 90s this isn't you know where now every film is just full of cg basically yeah this is back then where he's used this stuff but he's used it in ways that, that aren't excessive that don't stand out like oh my god like you know gee the, the special effects have really dated like not not at all it's just it just makes this film pop it gives it a style that's so rare and fincher's just yeah he's taken it to another level with this film the twist is one of the all-time great twists for sure, it is, and I, I think I think I was thinking as as we were watching it before, like what are what are the greatest twists, you know, in in film? And for me, I I think of three immediately. I'm not sure how you feel on this. If someone says, "Give me your top three twists," do you have a pretty clear three that you think of in terms of my favorite twists or the twists that I think of immediately when you think of twists? For either or. Okay, well, I think of Usual Suspects, Sixth Sense, yes, and probably yes. this. 
Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. Me too. And I was thinking about the other two. And the other two, you have a twist and the movie ends, right? Yeah. And I think what's different about this one is you have a twist and then we get into the third act. Mm. You know, like it's it's really, it doesn't, it's not like used for kicks like, all right, here's a twist and you're shocked and boom, let's hit you with credits and you walk out going, wow, like what a twist. Mm. Like this film is so much more than just a twist. And I'm not saying Usual Suspects and Sixth Sense aren't just, you know, twist and then that's all those movies are. But- it's filmed just like, okay, here's something that's going to make you relook at this entire film, but we're not going to really give you a chance to to digest that. We're, we've got to keep moving because there's shit going on in this film that we need to deal with. So Yeah, you can figure out all the clues and hints we've given you when you go back and watch it a second time. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, this film is... So amazing on subsequent viewings, you know, seeing. And I think I think the flashbacks, I love the flashbacks where you see him, you know, we should do this again sometime and drop the beer yeah. and it smashes. That's great. And when he's watching himself, you know, you've seen Brad Pitt deliver these lines and you're like, well, that's not actually Brad Pitt. I mean, it is, but everyone else is seeing Edward Norton saying yeah. these lines. So, let's see what they're actually seeing here. I, I just think that's great as well. But even the other little subtle things like Tyler's at the door with the glove and, you know, he shuts the door and she looks like she's like, who are you talking to as, as, as he shuts the door? You know, you never see- the narrator, Tyler, and Marla in the same room at once. It's always, yeah. you know, she yeah. leaves the room and he comes in. Then he leaves and she walks back into the room, things like that. Yeah. And I wanted to bring this up with you. There's the scene where he's in the office with the boss and he's punching himself. Yeah. Do you think that Tyler is also there in his mind and it's Tyler that is punching him at that moment? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I do think it is. I think because he's saying, like, there's a point where he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And he gets hit. And he's like, he's grabbing himself. Like, we see him grabbing himself. And he goes, he looks behind him, sees the glass cabinet and goes, no, 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 no. It doesn't look like he's acting. No, exactly. Norton is acting. It doesn't look like he's, he's you know, pretending for the sake mm. of this guy. Because he, he starts pretending when when the security guards walk in. But And even the, even the narration. I think the sealer for me is the narration where, where he says, for some reason, I thought of my first fight. Yep. With Taylor, you know, and then and then in the flashback where you see the first fight, you're seeing him just punching himself. Yeah. So I think I think Tyler is in the room with him. Yeah, and, and I think from uh, the la- the last time I watched this, bloody yonks ago, I was always under the impression that he was saying that to the manager, like as a like I thought I thought there was someone else on the line on the phone, so he was giving off the impression that the manager was doing it to him to someone else outside of the room. Mm. But in watching mm. it today, it definitely feels like he's directly talking to Tyler and we're just not seeing it yeah. for that for basically what the first yeah. time and we're not knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. Uh, that's, a, that's a great scene. Yeah. Oh, also, before we go to the bad, score's amazing. I yep. said it a few times yep. during the, uh, the viewing, but the score, the score is so good. It's not just where is my mind to end great it. Great ending. Great the ending whole too. Thing, like, no, great final song. Yeah. But the whole like, it's just, it's such a different score. Like, it really- it elevates this film again. Like every element of this film is just being lifted up by, by the next. It's it's really really something else. Ah, uh, yeah. The cons. I have none. You got anything? I- <laughs> Jeez, I I can't think of anything. Like I could say there were maybe one or two shots where the CGI definitely looked like it was from 1999, but whatever like there were a lot of shots yeah. where it didn't look like it was from 1999. Yeah. Also, it is from 1999. So yeah. Okay. We know. There's that. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So, what about your uh, excellent, Dean? What's your favourite scene? Do you know what my favourite scene is? What's your favourite scene? Is it going to be my favourite scene? You don't know where I've been, though. You don't know where I've been. (laughs) It's so good. Hello. We really like this place. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love Lou coming down the stairs. See you next week. You too, big guy. <laughs> nice. Nice. I, I love it. That laugh like we talked about, you know, you know, he's Leto watching uh watching trying to get tips for his Joker laugh in years to come. But yeah, that that laugh like <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. It's like, okay, okay, stop, stop. I think I got it. I think I got it. Ah shit, I lost it. Whack! Nice. But yes. This is this is how he recruits people, you know, like people that you don't think will do it. They find, hey, I kind of enjoy this, and then you know, it's he's uh, just got away. I love that saying. What about you, Hendo? You say that's how he recruits people. I will say that the the way he recruits people is through my my favorite scene, and that is when he or himself delivers the lime on the hand to Edward Norton and basically talks him through exactly what's going on and how he's going to open up his mind and just unleash his inner power to become the, the next step. And then you find out, obviously, later on down the track that he's done it to everyone. And that's that's how he gets the Project Mayhem going. That's how he gets all these people into that. Yeah. And I just thought that was, I just thought both of them were fantastic. The, the quick cuts to the you know the peaceful village and or the the, the, the flowers and that. Don't and that, yeah, deal don't, with it like yeah. those dead people deal with it. Yeah, all <laughs> that. Like, like it's like he's grabbing it and throwing yeah. it away. The editing here as well, where it keeps cutting to like it goes to the green forest and it's like, yep, that's nice. And then he goes to the cave and he's like about to kiss Marla. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's coughing because she's swinging. It's it's he's so good here. Yeah, greatest moment of your life, man. <laughs> and you're throwing it away. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely my favorite scene. Uh, I mean, it's an amazing scene. And I love I love the flashback of that scene where you see it's just it's just him. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. There. Yep. No one else is there. He's just holding his hand there. <laughs> it's great. It's all in his head. I love it. Any last words? All right, Dean, what's your final thoughts on Fight Club? <sighs> final thoughts on Fight Club. Uh, I, I love this film. Uh, it's just such a fun film like the content's so like heavy when you get into it but everything about this this just elates it. i just it's such a fun fun movie like i forgot how funny it is as well like this there's so much of the narration that's just it's just a pisser everything about this film i i just love and adore i think yeah bravo from everyone beautiful film so what are you giving it <laughs> i'm giving it amazing Incredible. outstanding very good. Okay, I don't, I don't know if you're going to say anything or not. But he's like, yeah, okay, moving on. No, what about you, Endo? Yeah, I completely agree with what you said. I, it's you know, you know what it's like when you really cannot think of anything bad to say about this. We get to the cons and you, you just it's silence. Like this movie just mm. ticks every single box on every single level. It is truly, it really it's truly a masterpiece. And just like you, it also gets amazing, amazing, incredible, outstanding from me too. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, where is this going to sit on your rankings of 106 films now, Dean? Normally at this point, I do the same thing every single time you ask me, which is <laughs> I go under letterbox, I have a look at the list, and I'm like, oh, okay, where are we? You know what? I think I think currently my number one is Godfather Part 2. Is that correct? Yes, and then you have Once Upon a Time in America, and then you no, have stop, The stop, Godfather. Stop. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh. It doesn't matter. It's number one. Oh, Boom. you didn't even want to like ease in. You just like nah, just, just nah, go I'm on. not easing in. Straight in. No, nah, got to be free, Ender. Wow. Right. Number one. Boom. All right. There we go. Well, uh, you know, I, I certainly can't. Uh, I don't think I can top that. But uh, before I, I get to my rankings, I've actually been can't looking. Top number one. I mean, mine is uh, zero. That's how it's going higher than mine. No, look, before, yeah, it was a pretty terrible joke. <laughs> I admit this. <laughs> uh, while we were discussing this, I, I did have my list up here and I was just looking at my top 10 here. 
you know, you did it a little while ago with Donnie Darko. Like, nah, I don't think that should be that high. I feel like I need to change that. Mm. Uh, mm. I want to actually put Inception down to the number 10 spot. No, sorry. I'm actually going to put it down to number 11. Hold on. What is it currently? It was number eight. And I want to put it below okay. I want to put it below the Matrix Kill Bill Volume 1 and the Shawshank Redemption down to number 11 for me. I just, I was looking at okay. it and I'm like, no, those other three films are, I feel like they're better than Inception. So, okay. so in saying yep. that, I, uh, I do want to start Fight Club at number 11 for Inception because I think that this is better than Inception. I mean, I'd be shocked if you were going to say the film that you looked at the list and said, you know what, I've really got to drop this three places. <laughs> I'd be shocked if you were like, you know what, Inception's better than Fight Club. <laughs> uh, so, it's, it's a battling for the top 10 here against the Shawshank Redemption. And I, I think that this is better than the Shawshank Redemption. So, it's, it's definitely hit my top 10. Definitely a funner film. Yeah, I'll definitely say that for sure. <laughs> uh, it's up against Kill Bill Volume 1 at number 9. Ooh. And I'm actually going to put it here. At number 10 for me, I think that Kill Bill Volume 1 is, for me, a better film than Fight Club. So, currently, it is in my top 10 at number 10. Fair enough. We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. Oh. All right, let's take a look at what our patrons think, where we always ask them to put in reviews of the films, or the top 250 films, that we break down. And let's take a look here. We have got first one here from Kevin Oyuna. Is Dean Hendo's Tyler? I mean, I'm everything you want to be, Hendo. It makes sense. <laughs> I mean, we're in separate rooms now. I mean, it's a bit weird if I <laughs> uh, you know, was able to talk to myself through a web- webcam now. <laughs> Mm. Another one here from Chris Beardsall, a brilliant film and book that has sadly been co-opted by dickheads around the world. Not talking about us, is he? Damn, dickheads. <laughs> he will be after he hears our thoughts on it. <laughs> Fincher and the peak of his powers with a brilliant Norton Pitt combo. 99 was a great year for film, but Fight Club might just sit above all of them. I've had at least two versions of this film on DVD, and now I own it on Blu-ray, and it will no doubt remain in my collection for the rest of my life. Dean, you got this on our 4K? No, I don't think a 4K exists of this. But I'm sure once it comes out, you it's will got get it. on it. Blu-ray. Yeah, definitely. I like the um, DVD packaging that was the like the brown paper with the, the string. Yeah. Do you remember that I one? I do. That was a good yeah. one. Yeah. And our last one here from Brian Grabianowski. Accidentally saw the ending first while flipping through channels. Didn't end up mattering with subsequent watches because this film was great with or without a twist ending. Mm, All right. True. Thank you very much, everyone, for those reviews. But of course, we've got- When I first watched Fight Club, it was billed to me as the next biggest twist after The Sixth Sense. These days, I don't really think much about the twist, and of course I've seen the movie endless times, but the twist is kind of minor compared to the film's other elements. I once went through a period where I go to the cinema looking for a film to explain the meaning of life to me. Many films would get there with the odd powerful scene or a handful of lines. Sometimes it was just one. Fight Club, on the other hand, seems like it's made for that sort of audience endeavour. It sets out right from the beginning to paint the world as a horrible, unlivable place where being insane and going against the crowd is the most sane you could actually be. Fight Club has a way of constantly challenging you, how and what you think about everything in the world around you. I used to watch this movie when I was depressed, and it would pick me right up, but not because the film's uplifting, just the opposite. As Fight Club says itself, losing all hope is freedom. Babies don't sleep this well. 
There's nothing like it, is there? I'm sure there's been a zillion copycats and wannabes, but no one has ever hit it perfectly on the head like this. And who better to deliver most of the film's best lines but a career peak Edward Norton. Edward Norton is truly one of the greatest actors of all time, and he, you know, he had a classic run of performances from his debut right up until around the score, which was um, around this time. So... Fight Club was pre- Fight Club was actually the first time I'd ever seen Edward Norton in anything, and discovering this actor was an experience I haven't had since. I don't think I really have to tell anyone what a great movie Fight Club is. I mean, if you don't like Fight Club, my first question would be, do you even like movies? What's that? <laughs> no, no, Frozen doesn't count. The Batman doesn't count either. Fight Club on the other hand, is, you know, a movie worthy of its popularity and cult status. Five stars. Wow. There you go. The big old five-star Brother Sean banger. I said Brother Sean. God, Brother Shane. <laughs> well done. It's it's hard to mock his uh, review when he's just, you know, hits the nail on the head, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty solid uh, review there, Shane. Well done. Pop quiz, asshole. And that's going to do it for Fight Club. Next week is going to be a patron-requested reaction that we uh, haven't so much been holding off. It's just been sitting in the schedule for a couple of months now. But uh, we're going back to the 90s. I think this was maybe two years prior to Fight Club. We're going with the Nicolas Cage-John Travolta classic face-off. Yeah, uh, that's that's a different kind of movie, Hendo. Oh, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, that, that should be a lot of fun. I mean, it is a little bit similar to Fight Club. You've got two people who, you know... Uh, play the the other person to an extent. That's a stretch, yeah. Hendo. That's a stretch. Like when they stretch yep. off their faces. <laughs> no, that is going to be next time. So until then, thank you very much, everyone, for checking out the episode, and we'll see you next time for Face Off. Bye.